can match the Michigan three-point shooter, Luke Hancock. And he's done it to the tune of trying to get his team on the lead. And up ahead, Deceiva. Oh! Oh! Hello and welcome to another episode of What High School Did You Go To? I'm Gabe Diverge. And I'm Chris Hatfield. Gabe, how are you doing? Doing not too bad, Chris, on this beautiful day. It's hard to be doing bad. (laughs) It's hard to be doing bad. It's been quite a day in in the internets and Twitter and Louisville fandom. Uh, Of course, we're talking about the fact that Jordan Wara late last night uh, pretty close to the midnight deadline announced that he is returning for his junior season to the Louisville Cardinals, ensuring that they're a, a likely top five preseason team. Chris, what was your reaction? Immediately? I mean, I, I want to get right into to, to Jordan Wara and I and I, we're going to talk, you know, politics and everything else. But I do want to take a moment to like literally just pour out a 40 for Brad Calipari, because I think that's the biggest <laughs> news of the day. I was not so I, I I didn't catch that did that news was announced this morning right like oh, that 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 news was announced this morning it didn't happen last night like in the midst. oh it was announced this morning yeah okay. it was announced this morning that was absolutely shocking to me and I and I thought like because you know, Twitter was great today. The rivalry's back. Everything's fantastic. Kentucky Lowell fans are going at each other left and right. And, and I thought a great move by us, maybe after the podcast, is, is to just ask the question if Brad Calipari leaving Kentucky means that John Calipari is eyeing another job because there was that all it, it just bait all the Kentucky fans we can will tag Matt Jones and and you know sports radio uh, <laughs> Ryan Lemon every single one of them and see if we can get them to sh- just go ahead and click the podcast because I, <laughs> I, I, I think that's the take here I think that that was the biggest thing that that went through my mind it was great because when when Brad signed it was like well yeah you know you have at least four more years of Cal. Um, so and that that might not be a thing anymore. And I just, I don't know. It's a fantastic troll right now because Kentucky fans, they're, they're, uh, they're a little emotional today. And I, and I love oh, it. Oh, they but were like, quite mad. They were quite mad that, that Louisville fans were they back. Were something. They were something. Um, they, you know, they had their day, you know, Kentucky fans, uh, you know, talking, they got EJ Montgomery back and they are, they got Nick Richards back, you know, who were like the, what, like the seventh and eighth best players on that team last year. Right. So, uh, you know, big, big, big decisions for the, the cats. I, th- I think that kind of ensured that the cats are going to get some preseason love, but yeah, no, they, uh, you know, Louisville fans rightfully very happy uh, and Kentucky fans, were mad about it and they were mad about the fact that you know the Kentucky fans that can't enjoy the fact that Louisville's good at the same time Kentucky's good right. they were definitely really upset about it and yeah Mark but Jones, I who we'll talk more about later was uh was joking on the fact that Louisville calls the recruiting class the super six which I was like that's a really dumb thing for you to be upset about. <laughs> so like, that's how I know you're big mad. <laughs> that's, uh, <laughs> it, it, it was fun today, man. It, it felt good, but I don't want to spend too much time on that. I, I do want to talk Jordan war. That's, that's obviously the, the story of the day. Um, honestly, man, 
going through that that a lot of that period uh, for, for most of the time uh, the past few months I expected Jordan Moore to return because I, I thought that he would not get the first round guarantee that, that he sought out and I, and I thought that they would see that you know the second round guarantee is a little flimsy yesterday as we waited and we waited and we waited my confidence in that wavered for probably the first time in a long time completely um, agree I was going to ask you that question because mine definitely once we I, I was sort of we went most of the day and then like three the three o'clock like radio show started hitting and I was like okay here's he's going to announce at this point and yeah. hell we might even get an interview with his dad at some point given how right. Enoch's dad kind of kind of showed up on the radio and then five o'clock comes I'm leaving my office I'm like he's really not going to announce until late tonight yeah. you know I'm like checking my phone and I, I agree I was right there with you definitely like the seven o'clock hour the eight o'clock hour I think you announced like maybe like nine forty five. Um I, I was super concerned. <laughs> Once it passed like seven o'clock, I was like, oh no. Yeah. He's wait he's gonna be the last guy to do this. And and it's just someone tweeted to me, it's like this really feels like the Brom thing. I was like, that's no good. That I, I hate how <laughs> I hate how much it feels like that. But I'm well, right there with <laughs> I mean, something, and we're going to talk about, you know, what it means and, and all that stuff, but something that has kind of been missing the whole thing is I would love to know more about just the back and forth between, I, I would guess it was probably him and the NBA and his agent oh, yeah. and his father and kind of the discussions they had. And I, I would love to know how much that, that mysterious injury and the, and the combat oh, actually, man. actually yeah. changed things because we can look back at that and say, you know, crazy things happen. Say Louisville goes on to win a national championship and war is the reason why and we can look at that singular energy injury oh, yeah. happening and being like, this literally could have been the reason why Louisville is, you know, in Atlanta. Oh, I absolutely agree with you. And I like, even like, I was like kind of joking with a friend. It's like, and not, not, I don't think Chris Mack would be like super chill with this happening, but if we got like a, like a, oral history of the the Jordan Wara um, 2019 NBA draft pursuit, I would be all in. I would eat that up because I, I do think there was a bit of a TikTok kind of deal to it that you don't really get with a lot of these decisions, um, you know, in terms of, you know, he has the injury. We find out when initially he did, he wasn't doing five on fives. I was really worried. I think I mentioned it on the pod that we talked about right then. I was really worried that he, he he wasn't doing five on fives because usually that means that they kind of have a first round guarantee. I was like, oh crap, that's no good. And um, and then once it was the injury, it's like, oh well, that may like turn out like you know obviously you don't want Jordan to get hurt, but that may turn out to be a real blessing. And it sounds like it definitely was, especially given the fact he was only able to work out with one team. It sounds like, and then he had that that showcase for his agent, and apparently it went very poorly. They, I saw some tweets saying he was lying or whatever. Sam Vecini said that he was lined up against um, uh, a forward that was bigger than he was, and he couldn't you know he couldn't finesse him. He couldn't dribble by. Him, which is kind of crazy to, to, to think about it a, a little bit worrisome for his future draft stock. I don't know how much of that is related to his injury. Maybe, you know, he, he did have that lower body injury. So, but I'm right there with you, man. It, it took forever, but ah, man, it was so sweet just to get that video. You know, like I, as a social media guy, you know, that's kind of I, I work in social media a little bit in my in my daily job. So just to see like that kind of level of production, I was like, okay, that's how long we waited. We waited. <laughs> this guy we, waited we, we waited for the video. He decided at 4:30, and it took like four hours to make that video because it was 
dope. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like the clock ticking down to zero. I was like, this is awesome. The I'm back thing. I just, like, just we've we've never been accustomed to this type of theater exactly. with, with, with Louisville basketball. Oh, no as it the Russ Smith decision was a press conference um, where I think everyone felt Russ was going to come back. It was kind of 50-50, but I think we felt that Russ would come back. Yeah. The, the Harold one, I can't recall as well. I, I know I think that, that was, was just like an announcement. I think he just yeah. kind of said, I'm coming back. And that was, I mean, I, I think people sort of had an inclination given how he responded after that, uh, the, the loss to UK, right. which I don't want to talk about. But anyway, but yeah, no, it's definitely, that was definitely a really interesting situation as well. So I just, I, I, I kept thinking about, as far as it relates to him coming back and why, because a lot of people, I mean, I don't think anyone knew. I don't think Chris Mack knew what the final no. decision was going to be until it was made. But I kept coming back to the ACC tournament, and I think it was, I can't remember who it was guarding him from North Carolina. I, I want to say it was Garrison Brooks, um, but I could be wrong on that. But it was a guy, it was that that situation where you talked about that kind of Sam Bassini talked about where it's a bigger guy. and Who, Who's a little more athletic. Who's a yeah. little bit more athletic and war struggled against him. And I kept thinking about that tape and I'm like, this is why you come back. I, yeah. I, I mean, you're you're not going to become faster, but there's plenty of things you can do. You can become a better ball handler. You can become more crafty. You can become a right. better shooter. You can right. facilitate the ball better. Um, I, I, there was there has been a lot of people that have talked about um, PJ Washington was a good example. Jericho was a, was a good example about guys who have come back and their usage rate has stayed the same or it's went up from the previous year, but their efficiency rating has also went up. Yeah, you and tweeted that, that out, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's something that if, if we're going to look and say, you know, in, in 2020 that Jordan War had the same usage rate, which I think it was in the in the 20 to 25% as it last year. Uh, if we're going to say he had that same one, but his efficiency rate rating goes up this year, I, I think that is one singular stat that you can look at and say things went the way they should have went. And, and that's that bodes really well for Lobo. And we'll, we can we can talk about the lineups and stuff like that. But that's that's one thing that that I'm going to be looking at as we go into that is just just how efficient he is on the floor. Right. He was used, by the way, in twenty six point one percent of uh, possessions. Yeah. So I, I knew it was in the it fluctuated a little bit. But I I mean, teams kind of keyed yeah. on it so much. So, yeah, no question. It, it, I It's going to be really interesting. And, and like. I think Jeff Greer's piece probably, you know, I, I he probably did the best job in kind of outlining what this like really does for the team. But me personally, I'm really just kind of excited to see a Louisville team that doesn't rely on Jordan Moore being hot every yeah. game. Yeah, he I mean, I think that was that was plan one is what does Jordan Jordan have tonight? What What is he going to do today? And if that was plan A and if it, if it didn't work out, it was kind of figure some other shit out. Like that kind of was with plans B through D. Like hope Ryan McMahon gets hot. Hope Steve mm-hmm. Enoch is, is, shows up. You know, just I mean, and really, really the only games that 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 worked where it wasn't war leading the charge was the Michigan State game. And yeah. And- the Duke game for, you know, three fourths of the game um, outside of that. I, I can't, I'm sure there are some other ones, but I can't recall any wins that Louisville got that they shouldn't have got that. It wasn't because of Jordan war. 
No, I, I could pull it off the top of the head. I think I think those are definitely it. So like I, I'm, I'm very excited for, you know, what we're going to talk a little bit about the guards coming up. But, you know, Fresh Kimball, who I think is is a a more consistent scorer than than Christian Cunningham. I think that's it's going to prove to be the case. I'm excited to get more out of the two spot. I mean, no disrespect to Quan Four. I, I listened to Mark Ennis this afternoon. He kind of joked Quan Four was a blocking tight end. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he was there and he did things that were important for the team. But he didn't offensively really help out. And that didn't mean to interrupt you, but why no, no. on on the whole four thing? The the four thing was really big because for war, because what I mean, he he helped teams key right. even on war of more exactly. because he was a zero offensive threat. He made so much things so much worse for Jordan War. In a lot of ways, he was, you know, kind of one of the worst guys to have on the floor with him because it wasn't a threat to shoot at any time. That that's why I think a lot of times when when those teams made big runs and they looked really good and we were like, hey, this is a sweet 16 team. It, it was because Ryan McMahon was hot or, or something like that. Um that that kind of led to those those assumptions. Yeah. I mean not to not to like point out and you know really poke more poke a ton of holes into Quan Four. I mean that's not what this is about because like I said he was really really important for this team. But I mean in February he had you know one, two, three, four I'm sorry, in March, excuse me, he had one, two, three games that he didn't score. In February, he had one, two, three games that he didn't score. And so he's just like someone that he just didn't show up and and offensively for this team. And, you know, he had some times where he did. But but there's definitely, you know, having production there is going to be big. So just seeing and, and I think I think even just having this summer with this the, with this front court, I, I think they're going to improve. I, I really think we're going to see a Steve Enoch. It seemed you know, I was really excited to, to see him come back because sort of my Steve Enoch theory was if he doesn't come back, it's because he doesn't really want to be in college anymore. If right. he does come back, he's like ready to commit 100 percent. And I really think he's ready to commit to the process 100 percent. And it really I really felt really good about sort of the reaction to him, how the team reacted. And I think Malik Williams be I'm really excited for Malik Williams at the four lineup. And it seems like that's going to happen. some. And I think that he will really have an opportunity to shine from that from that position. Uh, and Greer mentioned that in his piece that, that Louisville will be able to play a bully ball lineup. They'll be able to go Jordan war at the, at the three, they'll be able to play fresh fresh and maybe Darius Perry at, at, at shooting guard and then play uh, Malik and Enoch together, which is, I'm so excited for that, Chris. That's what is, I mean, uh, when has Louisville had an intimidating front court or, or someone that you can say that, you know, Louisville's going to go into this game and they're going to have a decided advantage on the board and the backboards. They're going to be able to control the glass. Even when when they even you know the national championship team Gorgie was great Shane Behanan was great but it wasn't like they were overpowering guys right. I mean Shane Behanan right. had moments where he would just be incredibly efficient and, and take over games but it wasn't consistent um I, I think the the fun thing the fun thing for me is there's just so much versatility so many different lineups you can go I mean I mean the last time I saw Kelly Dickey tweeted out the last time that Louisville's returned this much scoring to a team was the 2008 team, the, the Terrence Williams teams that lost right. them to, to Michigan state. Yeah. And, and that was one of the more talented teams that, you know, I mean, that team should have won a title. That yeah. team should have won a title. Well, that's, that's, a, that's another podcast, but yeah, that, that was a title team. So yeah. I, I've always considered them one and, and definitely feel that way. So yeah, it's listen. And yeah, 
I think Mark Coombs responded to you. The one thing is top tier level experience. I think that's where losing to, I, I kind of agree with him there. I wish that this team would have been able to get to the second weekend just yeah. to get a real taste beyond just one day of, of blowing it against a not good Minnesota team. Um, so I, I, I agree with him there, but man, it's, it's, I, it's, I, I, I do think, and it's a small sample size because you have Key Clark that that led Virginia this year. But on the other, I mean, right on the other hand, you had the Moody kid from from Texas Tech who didn't really have any considerable amount of experience. You know, so I, I, I guard play is always going to be important in college basketball. No one's ever going to say that. Yeah. But I, I do think with this error of positionless basketball and so many guys that can shoot from the perimeter, bigs that can spread the floor, I do think it becomes just a little bit less important to have a guy that's been in those situations at point guard. Um, particularly when you look at a team like Wolfville, who has players at every position that can stretch it for every every player they put on the court if they're left open behind the perimeter, they can knock it down. And I, I think having that luxury of being able to open the lane and, and open the floor does make the point guard position a little less important. Um, but but I mean, with that being said, um, we've talked we've talked about it already a little bit at length not on this podcast, but just on Twitter and you know what have you. I I, I think if if you're looking at Fresh Kimball and you're looking at Darius Perry, Fresh Kimball is definitely the guy that's going to start the season. I would fully expect that. But if you want to say that Louisville's in Atlanta, I think it's going to be because Darius Perry is starting and he has reached that level that a lot of people thought he could get to. Um, because I, I think the ceiling for Darius Perry is much higher than it would be for first Kimball's. I completely agree with you. And I, and I think, I think Kimball is going to be a steadying force. I think he's, uh, you know, looking at his tape, he's going to be, a vocal leader. I think uh, that, that, that I think the team didn't really have last season. We've talked at length about that, um, but I'm right there with you. I think if this team wants to be a final four team, Darius Perry needs to be a, a 12 point a game guy. I don't, and, and that sounds crazy um, given sort of the year he had, but I, I don't necessarily think he's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, especially how he played down the stretch when, you know, he, he did get 12 points against Minnesota. He did have 10 points against, um, against North Carolina and, and he, and he scored, you know, points in, in games. And I think I, it just, it felt at the end of the season, like he bought in, like he bought back in, he was ready. You know, uh, there was definitely something that happened over the last, last, you know, month of the season with Darius Perry, but if it's not 12 points, it can't be four turnovers and a, one assist. Right. I, that, that, that's not going to work. I think that's the biggest thing for Darius is, I, I mean, if he's going to be a guy that's not scoring, he can't let it affect other parts of his game because we saw that. Um, we saw it repeatedly. He would have a turnover on one end of the floor, then he'd come down and commit a reach-in foul, and now he has two fouls, and he's been on the floor for, you know, six, seven minutes, and and that can't happen, and that's, that's the biggest area where I think he has got to grow. The athleticism there is there. The the on-ball defending is there. Uh, a guy that can get past, uh, that's that's a cool thing for Louisville because we haven't had a guy that is a really good, like, straight-line driver for a exactly. little while. It's just like exactly. Russ Smith or, or Peyton Siva. We didn't have a with Quinn Snyder. He just wasn't quick enough. And, and I think 
think Darius has those has those capabilities, and that's what's really exciting about it. No, I completely agree, and and I think if we're in a situation where Darius um, kind of doesn't come through, if we kind of get the Darius of the you know the first half of the season, you know the Darius against the Duke um, type of, of player, I think it's going to rely on on a guy like uh, you know David Johnson um, yep. to to really come through, and you know it sort of was talked about today on Twitter, and you know I've had some conversations with Louisville fans. I mean, no disrespect to Ryan McMahon, but I, I think at this point he's kind of my real hope is that he's a luxury, not someone who's relied upon. I think I hope that he's a guy who can come in if, uh, you know, if Darius Perry picks up two quick fouls and he can come in in the final five minutes of a first half and drain a few threes like that's great. Yeah. But I, as I mentioned before, you know, one of like plan C or D last season was always, OK, Ryan McMahon, let's hope he hits, you know, three threes really quick. And I think you that have just to find can't it. be the case. That just I, that can't I, be the case this season. I think you have to find a way to get Ryan the man seven, eight minutes a game in the in the yeah. right games. And, yeah. and, and, and you know, it can go to double digits in, in certain situations in certain matchups. I don't think you want to completely abandon some guy like that because he is someone that lethal and someone that can change the game. Yeah, and there's can, not a I mean, there's not a lot of pure shooters in basketball. We saw it with with Cal Perry in Kentucky this year. They tried really hard to make Jamal Baker into that guy. And he played him in big time minutes, probably when he shouldn't have, when he was doing a lot of other things wrong, just because of how valuable having a guy like that is. And I'm not sure that it really worked out for him, but it it shows you how much of an emphasis that coaches put on a a guy that can shoot like that. I I, I don't know if you're looking at a guy, I think that would be the odd man out. I think it would be Nickelberry for now. Um, yes, but sure. but the, but that 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 spots up for grabs, I would say. No, I think I think Nickelberry, uh, you know, is is you know he he's apparently a shutdown shooter, but he's definitely got other things to do. Just looking at Ryan's uh, profile from last season, it's kind of weird. In February and March, any game that he played over twenty minutes, Louisville lost. <laughs> Which I, that's kind of my point here. Like, yeah. you know, against the good teams, he can't be playing 25 minutes against Virginia. He can't play 26 minutes against Syracuse. He, right. you know, I, actually, excuse me. There's one Same. game Clemson. He played 21 minutes. They won yeah. by one point. Okay. <laughs> so Syracuse may actually be a game where he does play some, just in case like they have like a crazy game where they can't yeah. shoot. And then, you know, and right. they need a guy that can, that can spread that zone out. But it, it's like that. It's matchup based games uh, yeah, that, right. that, that he has a role in it. And his job is just to, you know, stay ready for those opportunities. No, absolutely. And, and, you know, it, it'll be really interesting. I, I, I completely agree with you. I think, I think the, the, you know, Backcourt is a question, but it's if if they can get some production out of a few guys, if they can get some production out of, out of Perry, if they get some get some production out of DJ or maybe one of the other freshmen, that's that's going to be so key. I mean, what's what's cool about it is you're not really. I guess you are in a sense with point guard, but you're not really putting your eggs into one player at any position. You're not saying like we came into last year and we were, we were wrong in this assumption, by the way, but we came into last year saying that BJ King need to make this leap to, yeah. to for, for Louisville to be in the NCAA tournament. And we obviously, we didn't expect Wara to have the season he had didn't expect Christian Cunningham to be as good as he was. Right. Um, th- there were a few things that played into that role, but it, it doesn't feel like that this year. 
year. Like if Darius is a guy who doesn't make that breakthrough, I, I think it's going to be a lot harder for Louisville. To but it doesn't feel like it's going to be. But it doesn't feel like it's impossible. I mean, I would be absolutely shocked if if Samuel Williamson isn't a guy. I mean, I you know how I feel about him, but I would be shocked if he's a guy that's not starting at the end of the season. I, yeah. I, I don't think it'd be a guy that's starting from day one, but if, if he's not, you know, a 11, 12 point score midway through the season, I would I would be pretty surprised to be honest with you. No. Yeah. And you, you you're starting to talk about that. And I wanted to get to it. I know we have it here in our notes. So, I mean, a lot of people have been talking specifically, you know, who who's in the starting lineup and, and they're giving a lot of questions. But I do agree that I do believe that there's two. There, that question is a little too simplistic. There's two starting lineups and I, and I want to go over them now. So, Chris, what do you think the starting lineup is game one? Uh, the exhibition against Bellarmine. I don't know who they're playing in the first game. You know, just first regular season game. Who is your starting lineup for the Louisville Cardinals? Uh, I would have fresh. I actually think Sammy Williamson starts day one. Um, really? I At think the two, the, though. You're saying it's yeah, two? Yeah. I, I, well, I, think, okay. I, I think the dude is that good. Um, I think it would be really great for Louisville because for the first time ever, they could show that you can be a McDonald's All-American and you can come and play here. Yeah. Um, I, I think that matters. Um, I completely agree. And, you know, I don't think he's going to start day one, but I do think it's really important that he that he does become the player we're talking about right now. I can. Yeah. Yeah. Man, we've we've had our heart broken a lot of times with these guys (laughs) that came in. But, man, this this one feels real for me for some reason. I I, I just I think I think he's different. Um, Yeah. Three or four. I I would say Wara um, and Sutton at the four and probably Malik Williams at the five. But, you know, all three of those guys, you can move them around. You can move in Williams and Enoch there or you could even flip flop Sutton and Wara if you really wanted to. Um, Wara was one of the best. I saw the stat the other day. I think he was 12th in the ACC in defensive rebounding. He was the second best rebounder on the team. Um, So, yeah. You know, uh, three or four, it doesn't really matter. Um, but if you want to play him at the four, you absolutely could. How about you? Yeah, I think game one, uh, I'm going to agree with Fresh Kimball. I think Perry's playing game is playing at the two. I, I think the thing about uh, there's been a lot of talk about Williamson at the two because because that's, I think, like 24 seven lists him as a shooting guard. Yeah. But it does seem like Greer is continually saying that he doesn't expect him to play much two this year that he'll yeah. play mostly three. And I, I don't know. I, I think Chris Mack is willing to be open for the reasons we've talked about. I think he kind of needs Williamson for the, for the betterment of Louisville as a long-term program. I think he needs Williamson to, to get some minutes, um, but give me Perry at the two game one, uh, give me, uh, give me, you know, Sutton and, and war at three and four I think we said those are interchangeable. And I think Enoch's going to start at the five and, and yeah. the first, First man off the bench will probably be either Williamson or Malik. Um, you know, the sixth, the sixth and seventh man off the bench. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if DJ gets a lot of run. I think Ryan McMahon's going to get a ton of run at the beginning of this year. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I think Ryan McMahon will play a lot early and his minutes yep. will, will go down as the season progresses. I think the, the, the two thing, the two, three thing is really interesting. Um, I mean, it matters less than right. it ever really did. Honestly, yeah. you know, 
five or six years ago. Um, but having a wing, uh, you know, just out there on an island that can slash and, and create um, changes. But I, I, have, I mean, I think you have that Wolf War or him either way. So completely agree. So and that's the first game of the regular season. Let's fast forward. But, you know, Louisville, you know, uh, you know, we're hoping they're a one seed. You know, they're the ACC champs, first ever Louisville ACC champs. They come into the NCAA tournament one seed who um, who they got. You know, who, who, they, who are they starting in that first AC, that first one sixteen game? I actually want you to go first here. OK, um, OK. Because I, 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 this, this one's much more fun for me. It's so. much more fun. And I think yeah. I think it's a good exercise and it's kind of a good initial thought. Um, I think Fresh is still the one. I think Darius Perry's number two. I think that fits with what we're talking about. Darius Perry needs to grow. Um, I, I think if they win an AC championship, I think Darius Perry is going to be a, you know, a third team, maybe second team all ACC guy. Um I think at the three, I think we've got Williamson. I think Williamson is starting. If Louisville is 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 an ACC championship, is is an ACC champion, it's a lot of it. We can point to Samuel Williamson. Um, you know, hell, maybe maybe he's a candidate for ACC freshman of the year. You know, that would be crazy. Uh, and then four, I would put Wara, and then five, I would put Enoch. I think I think the best version of this Louisville team is with Steve Enoch playing twenty minutes a game at the five. 20, 22 minutes at the five. Yeah. I mean, gosh, not to say that Malik isn't going to have games where he puts up 17 points playing mostly five. This, but I this think is the this best is version of Lul is Enoch at the five. The, the Malik Williams, Stephen Enoch thing is where I'm going to battle with you and a lot of Louisville fans this year. And I can already see it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just, I go back to hedging and I go back to the Minnesota game and I go back to so many games. I agree. And, and I just see like, you know, PTSD of Stephen Enoch just getting beat to the basket, not being quick enough to recover. And Malik Williams can do that better than him. And I think Enoch's going to come back and I think he's going to be better. I think he's going to be polished offensively, but I'm curious about the room. He, the, the, you know, the improvement he makes on the defensive side of the ball. And I Uh, think that, I think those are the types of things though, Chris, that a second year, a, a full summer with this coaching staff, with a full coaching staff and being able to, to do things beyond and, Installing the offense and defense can bring. I think that Mac will be able. My hope. I mean, if this, if Chris Mac is a coach that that I assume he is, and I think he is, believe he is, I believe that he'll be able to install, you know, kind of fluctuations, little, you know, uh, little tweaks in the defense that won't force Enoch to, you know, have to make those full recoveries. That may you know, have a better body. He'll be in the weight room, um, more committed. As I mentioned, I, I kind of get this vibe that he's committed the way his dad talked about the facts, like we're on the play. Now we're coming back to Louisville. Let's do this. It what do felt we, different to me. What so do we I, think? What do we think about him as, as, a, as a pro prospect? Like, I mean, is, is he a guy that can become, you know, a late in first rounder, uh, early high second rounder? Is I he a guy? He can be a guy, high second rounder. I can yeah. see him being a second center, a third center in the league. Yeah. I, 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 I think, you know, he could be a seven year guy who, who, you know, is the second or third center on a playoff team. I don't, I, I think that's definitely his ceiling. I don't, I don't see him being a starting center. I, I don't. Yeah. 
I, I, I don't either. I just go down the list of guys that I think are NBA players on this team. I think Wara, Samuel Williamson are both guys that I think will play in the NBA. I think you can both write them down, honestly, and that's crazy to say about a freshman, but I remain that strong, and if I'm going to be wrong on this, I'm going to be all the way wrong. Um, and yeah. Malik, Malik Williams is the guy that's really, really interesting to me. I think it can go one or two ways, and then Stephen Enoch is, is another guy. And so it, if it's if it's four pros in this team, and maybe it's Aiden Gahan, eventually Malik himself into a pro too but yeah. I, I, I don't know I, I think that's interesting to look at is just curious um you know who who the pros are on the on this team from just uh no, I'm right there with day you. One. as far as my guys um <laughs> tough, man I, I i thought i had it figured out but i I think Darius at the one would really be Whoa. Just, just just the just the perfect thing. Oh, you're going full. Listen, and and we I mentioned it on Twitter, but it needs to be mentioned here. We are uh, the Darius Perry train podcast. Listen, I, you, you won't I you mean, won't find it, a podcast that's that's ready for the Darius Perry evolution. You know, let me give you let me give you two laps. If okay. this team if this team is me, me, like reaching perfect homeostasis and everything is flowing the way it should be, I think it's Darius Perry at the one. I think it's Jordan War at the two. I think You're it's crazy Samuel Williamson at the three, and I think it's Malik at the four and Stephen Enoch at the five. I think if you were able to actually play that lineup at the NCAA tournament, it would mean that a lot of great things have happened for this team, and they're going to go win a national championship. I think That's- if you, I could, I could, I can see swapping Williamson and and uh, and Wara, but I, I don't think Wara's ball handles. No, and, 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 are, and are I agree with you. Enough. I don't. I'm not saying this is going to happen. I don't think yeah, that's, yeah. No, that's no. the leap that's going to be made because I I agree with you either. He's going to have to handle the ball way too much there. But if he was a guy that came back and said, "Hey, he played himself into almost a lottery pick," right, or you know yeah. something crazy that's like right. that, it, it would be because of he made an crazy strad like that. He was ACC Player of the Year, something like that. That's um, fair. I get it. Outside of that, I would probably go um, kind of where you were on the on the backcourt with Fresh and at the one, Darius Perry at the two, um, Samuelson Williamson at the three, uh, and um, I think we're the same. Uh, War at the four and, and Stephen Enoch at the five. Um, that that would be my be my thing. I, I just man having Dwayne Sutton. Samuel Williamson and Moore on the floor at once just feels really, really good to me. If you can some way make that happen. <laughs> I completely agree with you. And I think, um, I don't think we're talking, I don't think people are talking enough about Dwayne Sutton. He was the glue guy for this team last year. And I expect him to be kind of hit a wall. He kind of hit a wall. And, and and I I think part of that was again, having to try and do too much. I think there was, you know, he was sort of one of those guys that was relied on in in plans B through D if, if Jordan didn't show up and and he tried to do a lot. And I think if he can transition to being a facilitator more um, and and not have to score, I agree. If, if Williamson can, you know, man, Williamson's pull up game, his mid range game is so much much fun so i really would love to see sort of that drive and kick to the mid range the mid range that 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 sutton was so great at if that can just be a staple drive kick to you know to williamson at the you know maybe at the elbow and and just like a swish that's that's just a guaranteed every time you know yeah and maybe that happens four times a game and that's eight points right there for williamson um 
That'd be so great, man. That'd be I, so I don't know. I, I think if you can, I mean, that's been the knock on, on Williamson too. And probably why you're hearing, you know, guys like Greer and other people saying that he's going to play at the three exclusively more than the two is there's been questions about his ball handling as well. That's, that's been the one, uh, one thing that I've seen multiple, you know, scouts um, say about, about him. So if you could get him, Playing the two, um, I don't know. I, I think that would be the ideal situation for Louisville. And it doesn't really matter whether it's Darius. I mean, it, it becomes less important whether it's Darius or it's Kimball playing the one. I, I think that would be – we're kind of talking in circles, but I think that would be a, a situation <laughs> – a situation where, hey, Darius didn't make the leap we expected to. Now plan B. Samuel Wilson to the two, <laughs> Jordan Moore to the three, and, and let's see how that works out. It makes sense. Uh, it's it's it, This is so much fun. Just to be able to well, have this yeah. conversation. I mean, we haven't even talked about all the, all the things we're going to learn about Chris Mack this year. <laughs> he, he has... I mean, he's he's been a guy who his teams, the ones that he's generally had success with, are, are teams that have overachieved. He's, right. he, I mean, he's he's had the choke history and, and things that have happened with, you know, when he's had a full cupboard and, and things haven't panned out the way they should have been. So that that's a whole other storyline right there. There's a lot of buttons buttons he's got to press. There's a lot of lineups he's got to manage. There's a lot of, you know, mouths that got to be fed, um, uh, for, for lack of lack of better words, but. Uh, that's a whole nother, you know, discussion right there. No, absolutely. And, and there was a ton of talk today on the radio and, and on Twitter, you know, the expectation is here now. I'm right there with you, Chris. The expectation is here now for Chris Mack. And I'm very interested too. And there were some people, you know, us included who, you know, were slightly critical of Chris Mack and, and some of the decisions he made. And I, I you know, the, you know, the pressure's on, man. The pressure's on. This is this is why he got this job this season right here. And I, I mean, we can roll right into expectations. I think that's probably the best way to close out, you know, talking about this team. What's your expectation for the team? What what would disappoint you and what would make you pleased? And what would I mean, obviously winning national title is, is obviously, you know, over the moon. But like, what's your baseline expectation? Baseline expectation is second weekend and probably Elite Eight at this point, honestly. I think um, Elite Eight. I'm Sweet 16 Elite Eight. I'm, I'm on that line right there. Um, th- there's not going to be kid gloves with Chris Mack this year. Right. Um, when we, you know, we talked about how we were a little bit critical of Chris Mack at some points this year. And I think at, at large points, we, we were in the minority um, in some of those aspects. But this year, you know, you go dropping out of conference game to, I don't know, uh, Texas Tech, because I, I don't think they're going to be as talented. Uh, that, that's going to be a genuine discussion. Uh, you know, it's not going to be, well, they're improving, you know, uh, there's a lot of positive signs. No, that, that's not going to be the conversation. There's going to be, you know, yeah. why, did, why didn't Chris Mack go with Malik Williams or why didn't Chris Mack go with Stephen Enoch in the last two minutes when they were clearly the better player? There's going to be real basketball discussions ab- about his coaching decisions, and, I, and that that's the biggest difference. So, I mean, expectations, that, that's where I'm at. Um, you know, you don't get out of the second weekend. I got a real problem with that it's it's a shame that we um uh, you know everything gets judged with the ncaa tournament because it is so damn fickle but that's the reality of the situation it's the way it is um Mm. but yeah so uh, about to interrupt real quick and and i want to hear you speak but okay 
I told you I had the Clay Thompson over 23 points. <laughs> and? And he has 22 points with 20 seconds left, and it's the Warriors' final possession, and I'm oh, going to be. No. <laughs> Finishes the game with 22 points. That's devastating. I'm sorry, buddy. That's, anyway. That's, that's gambling. Let, let, let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, well, you, a little other aside, get ready for the spelling bee is broken takes. <laughs> oh, is it? I haven't heard that. Well, the spelling bee is happening right now. I just flipped over and there's two rounds left, Chris, and there are eight spellers remaining and they're just dominating. So if we get through these two rounds, then everyone that remains is a champion, which would be unprecedented. And uh, so get ready for those takes in the morning. If you're listening, uh, you'll everybody gets a trophy, you know, 538 all on that 538 all up on that. So get ready for that. Everyone gets Uh, a trophy. And shout to shout to uh, shout to my Toronto Raptors. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Shout out to Kevin Durant, future Knicks, uh, future Nick, Um, man. Katie's got to be really happy about this. You know, he's just going to leave. It's like, you need me. You still need me. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, Skip Bayless. And, you know, these guys don't even have to do any prep tomorrow. You come in and you say the Warriors need Kevin Durant. We've been telling you that for the longest time. You know, if they don't get Kevin Durant back, they're going to lose the series like that. that that's all you got to do. Your, your job's done. No question. No question. It's not, and it, it looked like Iguodala was hurt. And man, if that's if that's the long term injury. Yeah, I mean Kawhi. I don't. I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but Kawhi wasn't. Didn't seem to be super like you know super great the, the, on the night. He didn't. He didn't do a whole lot. Pretty much kept in check by Iggy, and that's just what Iggy does. So being without him, just sheesh, that'd be crazy. All right, Chris. That is. Um, that's probably the biggest thing happening in sports world right now. But I think in the state of Kentucky, outside of Jordan Wara, there was a second story that just. Encaptured Louisville fans mm-hmm. and encaptured this state. It warmed my heart. It warmed my heart. <laughs> and that was Matt Jones uh, becoming a, a story. Just a small quote on, you know, our good friend Matt Jones. I always like to say he's our good friend. <laughs> our good friend Matt Jones. He wants us to know that he's not going to be fake, Chris. That's right. Matt Jones was quoted. Um, well, he was he was on his radio show, Kentucky Sports Radio, KSR, you know, those good guys over there. And he received a text in his text line, um, as every radio show has. Text said, hey, uh, you know, it seems like you were insulting Louisville this morning. He was kind of joking on Louisville fans being so hyped. I, I, I mentioned the Super 6 tweet. He was joking on Louisville fans. And so a person texted into KSR. I said, I thought you were going easy on them uh, because you're thinking about running for Senate. Uh, oh, which, that's that's where that kind of that's where it kind of came that. from. So then the Courier Journal ran with it. And uh, he's the, the tweet from uh, Phil Bailey, the Courier Journal's, you know, probably you know, second uh, top uh, politics reporter. He said, BBN superfan Matt Jones says if he does run against Mitch McConnell in 2020, don't expect him to stop trash talking uh, to which I just like. Just RT like LMAO. <laughs> just like just I literally like held in laughter at the workplace. Um it, I, I laughed. And also I just gotta mention the first response to Phil's tweet tweet is or win, because he needs Louisville. Um but Chris, what was your, you know, 
What's your initial reaction uh, to Mr. Jones quote that uh, man, there's a, there's a lot there that my, my first thing was, is how he picked an interesting time to start not being fake. Yeah. Um, because this is a guy that's, <laughs> that's built his entire, you know, career in business off of saying things obnoxiously louder than anyone in the room and calling out things that are not probably in line with his personality. Um, I've talked to him in person and I've seen the way he interacts with people in in real life. And that's not exactly the guy he portrays online. Um, So, I mean, Chris, as he he (laughs) mentioned, uh, just like at seven o'clock, I think he was on the the Tony Benetti show and he said, uh, I I mean, I was in an I'm an entertainer now. And yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> and my, I mean, my other per, my other thing was just like, go away, dude. Like, if you're not this election against Mitch McConnell, if you're not going to, like, come correct and do this silliness, then just go away. You don't want to win. Like, yeah. why are you wasting anyone's time? Like, Mitch McConnell, I, I'm going to give you real talk about the way I feel about Mitch McConnell, but I won't even, we can talk about that another time. But Mitch McConnell has done a lot of bad things for the state. And this election is too important for a guy to just come in and take up a seat on the Democratic Party and run against him if you're not going to do the best, best, best role to win. Like, just, just go away. Like, yeah. stop wasting it's, people's time. It's just stupid. And it's really it's I think I think we should kind of point out here, like kind of why we're we're frustrated with with Matt, which I think we've talked about before. But I think it's not a a Louisville. It's not a Louisville basketball thing. So let me read this quote that he said. He said, quote, we are big enough people to get beyond that. That being, you know, that that he's a UK fan and, and Louisville, he'll need Louisville to win. He gets that. He'll need, he'll probably need Louisville to, um, to come out for him to win. Um, so he says, we are be we're big enough people to get beyond that. And if they can't, well, that's their fault. I don't hate U of L as a school. I don't like their sports program. They don't like ours. And I'm not going to be fake. Fake is being Mitch McConnell who wears U of L gear every day and then goes, <laughs> well, I'm a Kentucky fan too. <laughs> Shut up. You haven't even been to a UK game in 25 years. You're not a Kentucky fan. You're a Louisville fan. I agree with that second part. I, that's, that's a corny thing, thing Mitch does. But, you know, as we said, Mitch McConnell, not a great person. So – I think we we both agree, Chris. I mean, I'm not I won't speak for you, but you would agree with me that Matt Jones is a very smart person. Yes. So I think Matt Jones, my issue with this is I think Matt Jones is smart enough to understand that the issue that many Louisville fans have with him isn't that he is a UK fan or that he's a UK radio host. It is the the way in which he has interacted with the community of UofL, which is the community of the city of Louisville. And like it or not, he has stoked the flames of schisms in this state, not to get all ACT word, but <laughs> he is he has stoked divides. I mean, we're in a situation where it's a common thing for people to to accuse Republicans in this state of waging a war on Louisville. Right. And I sincerely I'm, I mean this. And I think Matt Jones would probably laugh at me if I said this to his face. But I think his I truly believe that KSR and the culture around it 
it, it stokes the flames of the rural urban divide that leads to many of the issues that we have in this country. And not, or, uh, in not, state, I mean, excuse me. Not just the rural urban divide, but it stokes the flame of a lot of progressives. Um, yeah. And that's not just a local thing. It's I don't want to call KSR barstool because it's not that. But I, it, yeah. it, it creates that similar like dichotomy. Like it, it, it has that same type of feel to where there's a clear divide. And you're just not going to win a Democratic vote in 2019. A, creating that divide or B, putting yourself in a position where someone could say that you've done something racist. I mean, I'll I'll just say it. I don't think I need to run from, from that word because I, yeah, no, go look at, go look at KSR post from 2008. And there's no other word that you to come up with. No. And I think, I, I think that KSR in, in, in a, you know, in trying to be entertaining and trying to, you know, to to poke fun at Louisville has definitely, definitely joked on racial stereotypes. They've definitely joked on, um, you know, just some of the urban divide that 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 happens between Louisville and Kentucky fans just based geographically. That's just natural. That's and and listen, it, it's a part of it. I, I, I don't. I think the issue, and I think Matt Jones knows this, Chris. I think I sincerely believe he knows this. Louisville fans don't want Matt Jones to pretend that he's not a UK fan. We freaking know he's a UK fan, right. man. Like I'm not, I'm not asking him to lie. I'm right there with him. I don't want him to, to lie about it, but I want him to admit that he has said things and he has stoked these flames and and just yeah, I, I I don't think him saying oh I was an entertainer, um you know maybe some of the things you know I apologize for some of the things I said that in hindsight look bad, you know a lot of those things as as you just said you can find a lot of those things on the KSR blogs. No, I think Matt Jones is really good about <laughs> deleting tweets that that he's gotten come at for. You know, know, screenshots last forever though. The street screenshots last forever. I know there are people who have those screenshots. There are people who are ready to release those screenshots shots um but you know like ksr is you know i don't think i don't think what's his name i don't think what not jerry tipton has ever been on ksr staff but they've like sort of like been adjacent to each other and that guy's like been absolutely racist like no question about it and um I just yeah, I don't you, I, you, it's, you it's don't. not about it's not about jokes. And, and Matt Jones said this in, in the Tony Vanetti interview. It's not about jokes about uh, about the strippers. It's not about that stuff. It's about the fact that he is constantly insulted the community surrounding the school. And sorry, the Venn diagram of citizens of Louisville and L community members, L fans is very big. So when you feel when the, and the city and the school are so interlinked that, yes, I have taken his insults at Louisville as insults against the city. And that makes me if he can't admit that those are linked, then that makes me question whether he can be a representative for the city. And it's I mean, the uh, it makes it makes me question whether he can be the representative for a Democratic Party that I'm exactly. a member of, because exactly. saying that I hope people can see that I'm a ta- and was an entertainer is what the excuses that people make for Donald Trump. And those excuses are good enough for the Republican Party, but they're not good enough for me and they're not good completely. enough for most Democrats. Completely agree. I completely agree. And I, I, I mean, uh, you're but, that's like many, many, but that's like baseline. That's like baseline. Yeah, if he can't admit if he can't admit that that this was a part of the shtick, if this was a part of the character, 
then that's an instant disqualifier. That's not Especially like, yes, I think. Times, Dude, how many times have Kentucky Democrats shown you in this state that they're if they're not enthused about a candidate, not only will they not vote for you, they just won't vote at all. <laughs> I mean, that that's that's been shown too. If, yeah. Jack Conway is one of those guys who didn't enthuse people and they weren't excited about a vote for him, so they didn't vote at all. Um, I completely agree. So, so, so that that's one thing right there that that would you know send up red flags. No, and it's it's man, it's just it's really interesting to me, and and I think you know as I said, I, I think. Matt's really smart. I think that some of these issues are issues that he doesn't want to deal with because I think Matt Jones's campaign that that wins him the nomination is really close to Rocky Atkins campaign. It's he wins the he wins the the rural vote, the eastern Kentucky, you know, the the diehards that that pack a restaurant in the middle, uh, you know, at Whitesburg at, you know, in Ashland in, you know, very small cities in in some of the rural areas. I think that's his campaign. And then he wins Lexington right. pretty heavily. And that's sort of what you know, Rocky Atkins wasn't able to do. He wasn't able to get one of the, the metropolitan areas. So I think that that's sort of Matt's you know, it, it, I, I don't he, he says he hasn't decided yet, Chris. He says he's he's going to decide probably in the next month or so. He's going on a break and he's going to decide. But I think that's his plan. I think um, if he was if he was said tomorrow, I'm going to win. I'm going to win this way. It would be that it would be all of that. So, I mean, it would still be pretty wild for me to say right now that I mean, I think you're right. I think he wins Lexington by landslide if he does. But it would still be pretty wild to say that the same community that elected an openly gay mayor would, would be the same you know <laughs> community that went to the polls to vote for Matt Jones as he stands right now. I mean, that. And I, I mean, that, that I don't want to put words in my mouth. Matt Jones never made any infl- inflammatory comments about anything along those lines. But it, it's just in that mode of, uh, you know, true progressives. I, I, I don't know that they're going to vote for <laughs> a guy who has said some of the things that he uh, said yeah. with, with with no remorse. So Yeah. And I mean, like he even joked, you know, he even joked like during the, the, the you know, right after the quote that the article was based on. He's like, there's nothing wrong with being a little fan. Well, there is. And it's like. Dog, like you, you like, yes, it, it, we're not asking you to pretend to be UK fan, but we're asking you to just make the simple, you know, admission that you you did this, that, that, you, that you've done this. This has been your shtick. You've made money off of it. That's fine. That's respectable. You've made I think he's you know, he's created a template that other people have used to, you know, to to, you know, encourage sports fans to, to unite. I think it's great. I think it's great. You know, good for UK fans that they have this. I, you know, I loathe UK. I, I, I loathe, um, you know, the ugly parts of their fan base, but I don't think that's everyone. And I'm not asking Matt Jones to pretend to not be a UK fan. I don't, I, that's, he's smart. He's trying to change the conversation to be that. And we're, we're kind of going in circles, but it's just, man, it's, it didn't make any sense to me. How many uh, Golden State fans do you think are Drake fans? <laughs> a lot, Chris, a lot. But, but, but I did want to ask you one thing. I did want to ask you one more Matt Jones thing. Cause he did, you know, and he sort of mentioned this on the Vanetti show and he mentioned that, the the National Democratic Party is honing in on Amy McGrath pretty heavily. That's a whole and other that's a whole other angle to this too, and I'm I'm glad which, you brought it up. What w- and I think that that's legitimately a story. I can understand his frustration with, um, you know, 
a passing comment he made in a radio show, even though, listen, like if you're admitting that you're like running for you, you're basically admitted that you're heavily considering running for, for Senate against the least popular Senate candidate in, you know, the, you know, sitting Senator in the country, like, I'm sorry, everything you say is news and you're on a radio show. So I don't really have sympathy for it, but I get where he kind of was caught off guard. But the second part of the article is important. And it is that Amy McGrath is the number one choice by Chuck Schumer, the, the Senate majority leader to run against Mitch McConnell. And Chris, I want you I, I want to get your general vibe on that because I think we might have the same one. I mean, it doesn't excite me. <laughs> I mean, that's it. That's pretty simple. Um, you're looking at someone who really wasn't able to win an election where there were a lot of things working in her favor. Um, so I, I don't see how that can be the best alternative. I, yeah, I, guess I don't you know what I'm, saying. I'm not sure that I really have one that I can just pick out and say, Hey, here's a, here's a, another, you know, great alternative, but I don't see that can be her. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I, so. I, I, would and a lot of people really wanted this person to run for governor. I really would love to see Attica Scott, who represents, uh, yeah. you know, is a House representative um, in the four in the forty first district. I did not just pull that out of my behind. I looked it up uh, <laughs> for the but but she represents the West End, um, part of the area of the West End. And I, I would love to see she's very progressive. I would love to see someone um, from Louisville uh, who, you know, who represents the community that I don't think has, has been very well served. And, um, you know, I think could carry Louisville in a unique way and, and kind of bring some, um, you know, some unique ideas to the statewide table. Cause I'll tell you what, it's just like, yeah, that Amy McGrath, I think she was, a, she had a lot going for her. As you said, she was a really excited candidate for the Lexington area. She, she, she also seemed out. like, yeah, I mean, she seemed like someone that would have been able to get the, you know, the conservative lean vote too. Um, yeah. It just, just didn't happen. Uh, I'm glad you alluded to the, the Western of Louisville and, uh, you know, progressives in Kentucky, because we're going to talk to you in a little bit, but man, I got a lot to say about Adam Eland as it relates to that. <laughs> yeah. Any final thoughts on this Matt Jones story? Before? No, man, I, I, I would love to just have it done and, and you know, say if you're going to run or whatever. And, it sounds and, like we're going to know uh, the next. Let's, yeah. let's start, let's start doing the thing we're going to do. Um, it definitely yeah. sounds like we're going to know in the next uh, month. Um, so that would be really, really interesting. I, I, I am leaning honestly towards him not running. At this that's point. where I'm at, too, um, because I, I think that's the whole like theory about him coming out and saying the statements he did about uh, I'm going to keep talking trash about global fans is he, he's kind of enjoying the attention a little bit, I, I think, honestly. Yeah. Uh, and I don't and I don't think it's necessarily sort of uh, some people said, oh, he wanted to be in some national headlines and now he's done. I think it's honestly more so that uh, I think he lives a really good life yeah. <laughs> being the head of, you know, the, being kind of the, the chief fan for Kentucky. And I think there was a period of time three years ago when or two years ago when he initially said he was going to consider running in 2020, that he thought that John Calipari wasn't going to be a Kentucky coach for a long time, for that's forever. Point. And, and I think that that's since changed. And he can kind of run off this 24 seven content, you know, scheme for longer, not scheme. I, that sounds really negative, but just this strategy uh, that he has. And, and um, 
but obviously he's really passionate about politics. I don't know. I, I, he, he hosts that, that show, Hey Kentucky. I honestly uh, genuinely believe he did a great job being the, um, you know, being the MC for, for the gubernatorial uh, debate that I saw, I, I thought he did a, a good job there. Um, so I think he has definitely has ambitions that, you know, you know, he's got all that. So it's, it will be interesting to see, but I, I would, I don't think it's necessarily a done deal, but I would probably, I mean, gun to my head. I just, I definitely would say that he doesn't run. Yeah. And I kind of think those statements today made me feel a little bit more that way. I, I don't think he wants to alienate that, that, uh, that demographic um, right now um, because, because he's leaning in that direction. So yeah. Question. All right, Chris, we wanted to make sure since this is the first podcast since the governor's election uh, last week that we talked about the results and uh, it was a, uh, it was pretty interesting. I mean, definitely, definitely didn't go down exactly how I had expected. I think I kind of expected any pressure to win, even though Chris, I you know we both mentioned we were supporting Adam Edelin. Um, I think kind of in my, my head, I, I thought Andy would win. I didn't think it would be quite the way that it turned out though. I didn't think it would be in the landslide that it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I didn't see, you know, Bashir winning Louisville and Lexington and, and, and the way right. he did. But that's exactly. that's kind of exactly what happened. I think there's a lot of like things you can look at. One thing I think is a little bit interesting and, you know, on the the grand scheme of things, it may it may not mean much. But I, I do think just it's interesting how West Louisville came out and voted um, that they didn't really come out at all. And, and the ones that did came out and voted for Andy Bashir over Adam Eland. And I don't know, man. I, I just thought... I, I do wonder how much like a guy like Gail Hovind played a role in, in something like that. Yeah. A guy yeah. that's been involved in, you know, <laughs> a lot of, like, gentrification products. Um, uh, you know, you can call it what it is. You can, you know, yeah. put, a ba- put a bad tone to that or a good tone to that. Some bits of good things and bad things. But I, I, I thought that was kind of an interesting angle of how those, the, the, those people voted for, um, you know, Andy Bashir, uh, the ones that did. Um, Lexington was, you know, Lexington was more of the bigger shock to me. I I, I really did think, um, I didn't think that that he would win um, the way he did in, in, in Lexington. And that was, I mean, pretty simple, but that, that was my biggest takeaways. Uh, we, we both kind of thought that, that Andy Bashir would, would win. I just didn't expect it in the way it, the manner it happened. Yeah, no question. I, I think Lexington, really interesting. I mean, Edelin spent a lot of time in Lexington, um, you know, that it's I think he's where he lives now, uh, I believe. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So it's definitely it definitely was interesting there. If you had told me that that Edelin, you know, before the election, Edelin's going to win two counties, but none of them, neither of them is going to be Jefferson or Fayette. Uh, I, I that's that's kind of flabbergasting. I kind of I kind of don't even think about it, but it's it's crazy. It's it's really interesting. I, I know we we were looking at these maps it's almost kind of a bummer um, how little West Louisville turned out. We just talked a lot about West Louisville and such. And I think that's definitely, you know, that def- definitely is a, a, a group, you know, <clears throat> sorry. I'm gonna- yeah. You're right there. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to grab water really quick. Okay. All right. So yeah, I think definitely West Louisville is, you know, we were just talking about, you know, uh, I think we're desperately in need of a candidate that will engage that community. And obviously, you know, obviously these candidates didn't. And, and um, you know, 
I, it seems like the people who kind of showed up in the West End um, for Andy Bashir were kind of going. I think they were going on name recognition and alone. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think Edelin won out in the East End, you know, uh, enough and in, in, in the eastern side of the county enough to kind of overcome some of those, uh, you know, some of those losses. I mean, the the, the voter turnout was, uh, you know, statewide was good enough. It was 18 percent for Democrats, I believe. And I, I mean, that that's that that's good enough for a primary um that's kind of the number you want it it just to me man I, it's just a little depressing honestly it, it's kind of yeah. the way i felt like i i didn't like it's not depressing because annie Bashir won like you know i, I think he's gonna put up a great fight against matt bev and i, I think it's gonna be a great race an interesting race i, I just i i thought there was a guy and we talked about a lot and the reason why you know adam Elon resonated with us so much is there was a guy with a fresh breath of energy, talking so much, uh, our our type of language, you know, progressive language and things that were very exciting for the state of Kentucky. And it just didn't seem to resonate really much at all. Um, and that's just a little deflating, man. It, it, it really, that, that was kind of the way I felt. Yeah, uh, I'm right there with you. I think it was, it definitely, it, when you have 22% of people show up, I think this is kind of, you know, kind of what happens, I guess, you know. Um, I mean, I'm looking at this article that that I that I sent to you about, you know, it's it, the titles. What happened? Adam Edelin, you know, it was an insider Louisville by Perry Bacon Jr., who writes for 538 a lot, um, and he mentioned that in a December 2018 poll conducted, 63% of likely Kentucky voters said they didn't know who Adam Edelin is, and I think, you know, that's that's definitely a lot of it, and and and. Even though Edelin, I, I mean, we talked a lot about it. We saw Edelin signs everywhere in the city. And it just, I don't, I don't know. I guess that just wasn't enough. I don't know. It wasn't enough to turn out, to turn, to turn out more people in this, even just to, to win Louisville, just to not win Louisville is, is kind of what I'm talking about here. I think definitely around the state, it's, it's not that way. And man, Rocky just, it, Rocky is, as I mentioned, you know, Rocky Atkins was, was definitely a god in Eastern Kentucky. He is, he is very well <laughs> yeah. respected everywhere. And, <laughs> I, I don't know. I kind of I sort of was not to, you know, I, I definitely am supporting Bashir already, honestly, already asked for, you know, applied for a a uh, bumper sticker. But I sort of was in this weird point where I was watching Rocky dominate Eastern Kentucky. I was watching Matt. I was watching Matt Bevan, you know, get hemorrhaging votes in Eastern Kentucky. And I was thinking, I kind of want Rocky to pull this thing out just to you know to 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 confirm um that that bevan would lose november i mean and that's i definitely shouldn't feel that way given you know sort of the beliefs i i fundamentally disagree with rocky about um i honestly that probably was was not a great thing to think on my part but it it was it was so surprising i mean that's that's like that's like the perfect analogy for how to be a democrat in the state of kentucky is that you're you're rooting for a guy that fundamentally you know goes against your core belief just because you know that he's better than the alternative and that that would ensure you know a victory and that's that that welcome to you know being a democrat <laughs> in 2019 in the state of kentucky um the rocky atkins thing in, in eastern kentucky was a little interesting to me because it did kind of show um not only not only like as it relates to like just the the how democrats voted for him but just I don't know. It, it was interesting to see that it was just it, it confirmed kind of what we thought because I guess it was the only thing that kind of went to to how we expected it to go. It, it did kind of show that you know there 
I don't know. I, I, it, it was the thing that really went to to how we expected it to go. I guess is what I'm trying to say because everything else kind of went haywire. No, I mean, and it's interesting. I mean, Edelin, Edelin got 28 percent of the vote. Um, you know, Bashir's campaign in February said he would, you know, a poll had him at 7 percent. So I think Edelin definitely I, the momentum that we talked about, I think, was definitely there. And, you know, not I, I think what's really, really interesting to me, you know, in regards to Edelin and, and Louisville is sort of where this puts the 2022 Louisville mayor race which is like so far away not to just like talk about things that are not happening i mean a a ton is you know i think the some of the the budget cut things that are happening in the city uh is getting some traction around this around the city around twitter i'm noticing a lot of people you know voicing their displeasure with the current government um for a variety of reasons and and not all that's on 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 um on greg fisher there's there's a ton that's a really complicated issue and um but i think Louisville's definitely ready for a really progressive mayor. And I don't think that's necessarily who Greg Fisher is at all. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of excited to see, I see the map that, that Edelin had, and I'm excited to see, you know, who, who is looking at that, who is looking at that map today, who's, who's ready to, to run for, you know, for mayor or even for a city council position and say, I can win as a very progressive person. Yeah, I mean, yes. it, it set the stage for that. I mean, you you get the Highlands uh, behind you, and that that's a good place, a good area to start doing yeah. something like that. And I guess that is the one thing that said, you know, uh, there there are going to be more progressives coming to the front and thinking they have an opportunity. But that was kind of like in the same token there. That was kind of like the big sad part for me is I I hope this doesn't stop, you know progressives like true true progressives from running in statewide elections going forward just because they saw you know this this guy with so much momentum just kind of fall flat on his feet but i guess you know in the same token as far as it relates to the city um it it can be a good thing as well completely agree so yeah we had you know bashir won um as mark Dennis <laughs> joked on twitter this is about to be like the worst race in uh political history um kentucky political history in terms of most annoying and just obnoxious i've already seen a a, a ton of ads already um chris i don't know if you uh, if you've noticed them kind of i was, I was watching. It, it's gonna be disgusting it's gonna be disgusting in both uh both the democratic governor's association and republican governor's association have already bought a bunch of ads um you know you know being super negative towards the other person um i kind of talked about this on twitter i i i think i think sincerely that Bashir can win and I think he has an over 50% chance of winning. I think it's like 55 to 60% chance. My biggest concern and we talked a little bit about this last episode is I think Bashir is the one is was the candidate of the three that was most susceptible to to Trump. Yep. And that's my real concern, Chris, because I, I mean, we're already seeing it in these in these Republican ads that Matt Bevin, you know, is a is a friend of Trump, Donald Trump. Right. And I think that, you know, the the recipe for for Bevin, I, I don't know if he can make up the ground he lost. I mean, that's the other big story about about the governor's election, the primary, excuse me. And Matt Bevin just just. You know, in the fifties, I think he got fifty-five percent of the vote. Just destroyed. He, he. I mean, he got destroyed in Eastern Kentucky. Which he is got a huge thing. So if those people don't show up for him, and and I think, I mean, you know, which year is popular in Eastern? Is popular in Eastern Kentucky. If those people don't show up for him, and I don't, I 
it would be it would be really hard. It's going to be really hard for Matt Bevin to make up. It's not you know impossible, but I think it's going to be really hard for Matt Bevin to make up that level of loss out there. I mean, as um, it relates to to the Trump thing, though, I almost wonder if there's going to be. I, I do think Trump's going to be a part of this election, and I do think he's going to, you know, come here and campaign for Matt Bevin. But I do wonder how hard it's going to be and vigorous it's going to be after seeing some of those numbers in eastern Kentucky and uh, Trump realizing that Matt Bevin isn't very popular. I mean, he he he's made those those comments in the past on Twitter uh, about you know uh, the the Alabama governor in the in the primary and how he wasn't very popular, um, right? And, and things like that, and I. I, I wonder how much Trump is really going to align himself with Matt Bevin after seeing some of those numbers. And, and a number, another part of this is Trump has gotten pretty less popular in, in the state of Kentucky. I mean, the Morning Consult releases the uh, the weekly you know approval rating for every every state, and his percentage point of approval has has fallen 18 percentage points since he's been elected in the state of Kentucky, and that's a pretty significant drop uh, compared to some other other places so I, I i wonder if he looks at that and, and he looks at matt bevin's popularity in eastern kentucky and, and the guys who are kind of like you know stonewall voters for trump and, and does have some second thoughts about coming here and campaigning very hard uh for matt bevin um but then i mean the, the, there's this whole other part of you know that can make him just campaign just as hard because he sees that there's a real potential that, that this seat could be taken by democrats so it could go one or two ways but that was something that I, I did think of a lot about is I wonder how much reservations Trump is going to have about coming here and campaigning for, you know, uh, the least popular governor in, in the United States. It's it's a you know, it's a point. I don't know. I think I think Trump is the type of person, you know, I mean, he. You know, he supported what's his name, the guy from Alabama. You know, we just yeah. talked about it. So I, I don't know. I th- I think he's the type of person who you know Bevin has been his top cheerleader. You know, I don't I don't know. I mean, obviously we don't see every what every governor has done, but he has been very pro Trump. So I I don't know. I and 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 the fact that Pence has already been here twice. He was here twice for just the primary. I I I have a hard time believing that Trump won't be here at least twice. I, yeah, I, think I mean, but, a, but 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 sending Mike Pence in is different than sending Trump in. No, I agree. I agree. And it's going to be really interesting. And 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 as I tweeted out, you know, I I, I you know, the, the Matt Bevin put out his first video and he painted, you know, Andy Bashir as a friend of Planned Parenthood, the ACLU, Hillary Clinton, you know, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Yeah. That's going to be that's, you know, I think that's that's a prototype. That's a prototype. And I think that can work. And I don't think that I don't think Bashir alone can say this race isn't about Washington. It's about Kentucky. I don't think he's good enough to get away with that unless he does other things. So what, what, what does he need to say? I think he needs to I think he needs to move to the encourage Louisville to come out. Yeah. Uh, it, it really to me, it's about turnout. It's, you know, in 20 and you know just pulling it up in 2015 Louisville had 34.5 percent turnout um you know in 20 in 2018 they had 48.7 you know during the presidential election which I think is really interesting the presidential election specifically um because Louisville knows that Kentucky's going to go 
for Trump, right? Yeah. 61.6% of people turned out in Louisville. And what Hillary Clinton got like 70% of the vote. So I think you have to you have to be over 50%, I think, turnout for in Jefferson County. I think you have to be over 50%. And that means and, and that and Andy Bashir, you know, he has a full health care plan. He has some of, you know, um, he's talked a lot about education, but I think he's got to do things like what Edelin did, like say the war of Louisville. When I become when I become governor, the war on Louisville will be over. Yeah. You know, I think he's got to I, I mean, he's got to be just, more explicit about medical marijuana. He's got to be more explicit about about taxes. He's got to be more explicit about things that the people who came out to vote, you know, both the people who did who voted for him in, in, in the West End and, and the people who came out to vote for Edelin in the in the Highlands really want to hear. I think he's got to plug into that somehow. And I get it that he doesn't want to scare off. It, it, it's a tightrope because he doesn't want to scare off some of the people in the west in, in the western or excuse me in the eastern part of the state but i think almost the 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 calculation he has to make is what can i do to shore up louisville that doesn't necessarily mobilize the eastern part of the the, right. the, the state for for bevan because i think what what you kind of can count on is that not necessarily that that Republicans are going to vote for Bashir, that they just won't show up to vote for Bevan. Sure. I think that's the best the best outcome for him. So the, it's the, kind of go ahead. The reason why I, I think this is so like an interesting race is because you just have so many pissed off people at Matt Bevan that he, he, he hasn't done himself any favors. He's made a lot of people angry. And he's right. made a lot of people, a lot of important people that have a lot of friends, uh, the teachers, uh, namely that that know a lot of people and that have bigger circles and that can mobilize and, and, and that are passionate. He's pissed those people off, and those are people that vote and know people and can get people to the polls that's one but the other part is that you know for the better part of my life republicans have always been better than democrats at controlling the narrative uh, of elections so you have this narrative that if you can just seize it just a little bit i i think you win easily I mean, I think you win by eight, nine percentage points if you if you just seize on, you know, you get the Lobo vote, you get the Lexington vote. But not only that, you just seize on the pissed off people and get them excited to yeah. vote and keep that in the front of the mind. Teachers, 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 teachers. Look what this guy did. This race isn't about plan, Planned Parenthood. It's about teachers. It's about you supporting the future. It, you yeah. keep that in the front face because it, it, it's gonna go. It, it's gonna go to abortion, the medical marijuana thing. I don't know that how much of a gap he's gonna make up there because I think eventually right. you're probably gonna see Matt Bevan flip there. Um, if you want to do casino gaming, that would be the one place where I could see it going either way. Uh, that that's a whole interesting angle. I think that's yeah. a bit of a risk um, to to you know campaign pretty heavily on that. But that that that's one you could go to. But I don't know, man. This is a real test of just just Democrats in Kentucky, uh, honestly. You, you've got to be able to control a narrative when you have just so many angry people. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I joked with some friends, like, I think the most effective ad Bashir can run right now is literally just a minute of all the things that Matt Jones has said about teachers. Yeah. And, and just and, and getting on that because 
and and I've said this time, you know, a few times in the pod, and you know, in, in a lot of these in Kentucky communities, the teachers are the leaders. And if you can get the teachers on board, if you can encourage some of those groups, it would be really, it would be really beneficial for Andy Bashir. And man, it's it, but I, I I'm already tired. I, I literally saw the same Matt Jones or the Matt same Matt Jones, the same Matt Bevan ad twice in like 20 minutes today, and I just yep. was already like, oh my god, this is going to be terrible, and people are going to spend so much money on this race. Um, yeah, it's gonna be, it's gonna suck. <laughs> I mean, in some ways, he almost needs to take a, a card from Trump and just get some crazy like one liners and just keep repeating them over and over and over. <laughs> but it just sounds so corny doing it that's the thing yeah. this year he just and and i'm really not looking Dude, forward I mean, to these debates God, man he is. because I, the one thing bevan has and, and i say this as a person who's been in bevan's presence more times than i'd like to admit um <laughs> the man can talk the man can talk and i i think he's gonna debate circles around andy Bashir. I think he's going to sh- pull the pants down on Andy Bashir, yeah. and I, I, I'm really concerned about that. If I'm, if I'm, you know, a person on and Bashir's campaign, not to sound like a, not to sound like an MSNBC hawk. If I'm on his campaign, it's like no. I mean, you're right though. Like, I haven't seen him make a a, a statement for quite a while that I felt was real and authentic. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'd, I hate to put it that way, but everything he yeah. does has just a robotic feel to it, um, and, and that does not play well, um, especially in, in, in a debate stage. Um, so uh, that's a good point and really one that I haven't put a lot a lot of thought into, but I, I think you'd be correct in that assumption and that worry right now for sure. It would definitely be really interesting. Any any last things to say about this, this race, Chris? <sighs> I mean, it's now or never for Democrats. I mean, what else? What else can you? What else can you do? What else can you say? Uh, if they can't win this one, man. If they can't win this one, then it is. It kind of it kind of makes the 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 2020 election kind of mute. The the discussion we had about Matt Jones and you know Amy McGrath and, and Mitch McConnell. Oh yeah. If they can't win this one, then that that election won't even matter. Oh, and, and yeah, no, definitely, definitely don't think that definitely completely agree with with that um as as we kind of exit this one out i need to get your reaction uh to champagne poppy himself drake who is currently selling steph curry hair lint on ebay right now lord username he's he's legitimately it sounds like this is legit uh, Dray, his username on eBay is Draymond shouldn't wear 23 and the picture is him holding some lint there's there's nobody better in a situation like this than Drake I, I like he's like we're almost a year to date yeah like year to date from the whole push of tea thing and he is fully recovered and this is just like the, <laughs> this is literally the climax this is a victory lap this and is I the mean, perfect yeah I this see, is like the perfect like thing for him to you know recover from it it's it's going to be irrelevant in a year from now <laughs> it's going to be fun it's super fun uh what's your your finals prediction right now the the uh, raptors just won game one what do you think i think the raptors win one Actually, I'm going to say Warriors in five still. I don't think the Raptors win another game. 
I think I'm going to go Raptors in seven. If Iguodala's out, that's that's bad news, Bears. I think Kevin Durant's going to come back in game three. I th- yeah, it seems like that's the earliest he'll come back. And I think if Iguodala's out, then he's for sure. I could, t- I could totally like see this scenario where – Or oh, – go ahead. No, I could just totally see this scenario where like the Warriors just win this absurd game that they have no business winning in game two. Like they truly like steal it and everyone's yeah. like, damn. And, and then Durant <laughs> comes back and, and drops like 30 and they're demoralized. And, you know, I, that, that's you the, can, that's the, you can 100 percent see that path. And I think that's definitely I, I, I definitely wouldn't say that. I'm saying, you know, I think wraps in seven because I just I hate the Warriors. Um, but um no, I don't, this, this, this season has felt more enjoyable, honestly. I agree. I agree. It, it, they, they've done it in different ways. Um, Draymond's toned down a little bit on some of his antics. He, he's made himself a little bit more personable. Um, so they've made themselves a little bit more likable. I just got the ESPN alert about an eight-way tie for a spelling bee. Um, so Millennials dear, aren't the worst generation anymore, kids. Um, <laughs> it's not about – this wasn't millennials who did this, so don't blame Seriously, were the were the were the words not like? Is there going to be real conversation about the words not being as difficult this year as as they have been in past like years? I think, no, I think the thing is that I think the thing is that that the, they use like a set of words that are like harder or but like they like it's almost like a historical group of words that people can memorize so a few people i've seen a few people tweet that that the spelling bee's always been like perfectible like someone who's really good can just perfect it we've almost just reached the sort of like level of like if you think of this is terrible but if you think of the kids as like thoroughbreds (laughs) like they've just they've just distilled them down to a science that it's just like they're all like <laughs> yeah, that was like the the whole thing with the, the price, price is right. Like uh, for a long time, they they were able to kind of like perfect that that game, and they they had to change the 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 scenarios of the game. So they had the, the showcase showdown, yeah, they had, yeah. To, had to change it. It was it was too it was too easy. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Chris, I think that's all we've got. We've got an hour and a half, and now we're, we're I'm comparing children to thoroughbreds. So you should probably call it probably our cute our cue to to sign off here. But uh, thanks everyone for listening. If you listened in this far, appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed it. Take care. See you next time.